Very good. Um, all right. Well, oh, good grief. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Uh, if you know me, that's my least favorite song, so thanks for singing that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, and we have to hear it the most often, too. Uh, but, no, it's great. Thank you so much. And it is a pleasure to be here. And what's interesting is, is as you see on the screen, today we are uh, talking about this whole theme of remember and celebrate. Remember and celebrate. So fitting that it would be on a birthday, right? Where that is the, the sort of thing that we do. We pause, we remember uh, our birth, we remember our life and the year that we've had, and we celebrate, and it's a, it's a great thing. And that's what we want to do today, and that's what we want to talk about a little bit, is taking a moment of pause. Taking a moment to stop continually moving forward without ever looking back. Right? And so we want to pause. We want to remember and celebrate. It's what we do with birthdays, with anniversaries, with certain holidays. We have holidays that commemorate really joyful things like, you know, we have Christmas and Easter as we remember and celebrate the, the birth and the resurrection of Jesus. We also have some that, are, that have been fought for, like Independence Day. And then we also have some that are more maybe tragic, that we also remember things that were tragedies. And we, we pause and we remember. And we celebrate maybe a little bit differently on things like Pearl Harbor Day or 9-11. Uh, you think of even, uh, I was in Israel on the Holocaust Remembrance Day one time. And we were driving in our big tour bus. And there's a moment where every single person in Israel stops. Everyone stops Every car pulls over, people get out, and there's a moment of silence. And in the entire country, it's almost eerie. It's amazing. But to have that moment to stop, right? You pause and you remember. And so that's what we want to do today. And in our children's ministry here at Calvary, uh, we, they actually have this as a regular practice of what they do, of remember and celebrate. These Sundays that are remember and celebrate Sundays. And we'd actually plan this day for us in, in big church, right? For us to do this uh, at the end of the summer, kind of a way of looking back. And uh, today actually happens to be one of those Sundays, even in the, the kids' ministry, where they're doing that. They remember. And what they do uh, is they stop and they think about what have we learned over the last six weeks, seven weeks, right? What have we learned? What have we studied? What, what has God done in our lives in that time? And so that's the focus of that kind of Sunday. Now, God has uh, reminded his people over and over to do this. Remember, don't forget. It's a big theme, especially in the Old Testament. Remember, don't forget. And so I'd like to read some old words to you uh, from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8.2. You can turn there if you'd like. You can just listen if you'd like. They won't be on the screen. But Deuteronomy 8.2, Jesus, or, well, Jesus, sure. But uh, God says to his people, You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Right? So God says, remember these things that you've learned in this time. Remember my words to you. And then if you just, in my Bible, flip the page to verse 11, and then he says, beware that you do not forget. Beware that you do not forget. 
the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. And then he says, otherwise, when you've eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, when your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. So remember, don't forget. And when do we tend to forget? When do the people of God tend to forget? When things were going well. When things were going well. In the hard times, we do actually really well at remembering God because we're spending all our time crying out to him, right? But it is in those easy times, in the good times, that we have to remember and don't forget. And so we pause and we celebrate what God has done. And and so we see a bit of a a rhythm and a pattern in the Bible of God commanding his people to do this. You see God lead by example, actually, even in the creation story, right? Where you have on the seventh day, God rested. And he says, this is good, right? This is very good. And he celebrates. So there's a pause to remember and celebrate and to rest. And for us then to remember through the Sabbath that was established that we would have a day to stop to stop our work, to stop our effort, and focus on the holiness of God, and focus on our worship and glorification of God. And so that's what we do in those moments of Sabbath. And then there was even the feasts, like the Passover was established so that Israel, Israel would remember that God had delivered his people out of slavery. So every year they have a party, right? Every year there's a feast. Every year we celebrate, we remember and celebrate what God has done. And so that's then you see in Leviticus 23, um, and this is actually on your, in your uh, outline, okay? On your outline on the back, you've just got a brief description of the Sabbath and the different feasts. So where that's at in the scriptures, in Leviticus 23, uh, there's some other parts that we'll, we'll discuss this as well, but this is kind of the core. So in Leviticus 23, speaking of all of these different feasts, and, you know, and some we're probably more familiar with and some less, and encourage you, this is the digging deeper, to take some time maybe to dig deeper and look into some of these different feasts. And we've even recommended in the next steps, there's a book in the bookstore that you can get if that's something you would want to do, to learn more about them, to practice them, because we are not obligated by the law. We are no longer under the law. So we're not obligated to practice these feasts. But these feasts could be something that would be helpful to you to remember and not forget, okay? If that's helpful to you, then great. Now, we obviously uh, as well have some, some ways that we have incorporated this, this thought of what the feast did to take these regular points to stop, to rem- remember, and celebrate. We then, you know, then it became the Christian liturgical calendar where there was these specific holidays throughout the year that people would stop and remember something that God has done. Obviously, most famously and most practiced by Christmas Good Friday, Easter, as we remember and celebrate, right? And so that's what we do. We want to just instill this value in us of remembering and celebrating. Taking that time, taking that moment to maybe bring into your life a bit of a rhythm of that. A rhythm of saying, okay, I'm going to pause. I'm going to practice my Sabbath day and not just a day off to, you know, to go to the beach or even to get chores done. That's not the point, right? But to take a moment to pause and remember and celebrate what God has done. 
right? Who God is, the greatness of God, the riches of his mercy upon us. And so we remember that and we celebrate it. Um, something uh, that uh, astronauts do, okay? So just thinking about astronauts. Somebody's talking to an astronaut about this, and uh, not about this kind of thing, but about this notion that, uh, that everybody thinks about the launch, right? The launch is the exciting part. The launch is, you, know, you just got these billows of fire and smoke, and, you know, everybody's watching and all that, and it's this amazing time, and so much planning goes into the launch. But the astronauts say that, you know, that, that launch is really important. It's kind of this big dramatic moment. But the reason they're there is to make small course corrections, adjustments, a, a small burn of the rockets here and there while they're going along, right? It's these little adjustments that are the part that is actually what most of the time is spent on. And, and that's really important because, you know, their, their flight plan, their path, it's, it's established, it's determined. So much work has gone into the beginning. And then you have this huge dramatic moment. And I think about us, our lives, even if that was our, our conversion, our salvation moment, or something big happens in our life. And that's sort of these dramatic launch moments. But the majority of our life is spent in those small course corrections, adjustments, remembering something here, acting upon that, hearing a point here, and acting upon that. And so we want us to be able to use these moments of remember and celebrate, like even a moment like this and something we'd want to have you just begin to establish in your life. It's, it's those little things. You know, we, we think back upon this series that we've had in the book of Galatians that we just finished last week, the Gospel of Freedom, this incredible book as we looked into all these amazing things of, uh, of over and over being reminded about, hey, we are not obligated under the law. We also don't have just complete license to do whatever we want into the deeds of the flesh, but that we would keep in step with the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit with our lives. And so there is, you know, you might not even look back and have any of these Sundays throughout this whole series of Galatians have been a launch moment, you know? Maybe not any of those was a launch moment. People even talk about, oh, you know, I can't remember any of the, you know, any of the sermons, you know, that I heard, you know, five years ago or whatever. And, you know, it's kind of a good point. I actually, but I also can't remember a lot of the meals I had five years ago. I might remember some of the dramatic, you know, exciting ones, the birthdays or whatever, but I still needed those meals to be alive today, right? And so that's kind of how we go along the way, that there's these moments of course correction adjustment. So what we're going to do right now is watch uh, one of these videos that, that recaps the, the Galatians series, that will look back upon what God has done. And I encourage you, maybe you've got a pen out and, and the outline, and if something strikes you that, that you remember, and just jot something down. Maybe even it's not what was said here, but it brings something to mind that, that was taught along the way. And maybe just write that down to be a remembrance for you and see how you can have a course correction. Let's watch. The gospel is this. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. So we're going to study and we're going to understand it more. But if somebody says, hey, what's the gospel? How do you define the gospel? And you want to just say it in really a simple way, just say one word, Jesus. The true gospel, it's the work of Christ for me alone. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. The false gospel, it's something I do. It's some effort I make. And it may be a good effort, and it may be well-intended, but it is a false gospel. 
When you take your life and your actions and your thoughts and your deeds and you put them up against what God is asking us and how God is asking us to live, we fall short every single time. The law completely exposes our inability to hustle our way into our own salvation. Could we, could there be some of us in this room that are living lives that look good on the outside, but we've actually never placed our trust fully in Jesus Christ? That we have just been doing this thing called Christianity in church, but we've believed a fake news. We're not here to be perfected by the flesh. Sometimes I live by a checkbox Christianity. This is my legalism. Oh, every day, God, I've got to pray. Every day, check. I've got to read your word. If I don't read the word, I'll probably have a terrible day. And then I need to meditate and really make that personal for me. Have I done that? Okay, I've done that. Check. I need to go to church at least once a week. Because I want God to love me and think I really do. I want him to know I care about him. And then finally, I need to journal really deep thoughts so that when I die, someone reads it, they'll say, wow, Dave was really deep. Let's write a book. on I, I want it to be so impressive. I want God to be so impressed with the thoughts that I had that he gave to me. He said, oh, Dave is one of my special children. It's craziness. That's checkbox Christianity. I've checked all the boxes for you, God. Today ought to be a great day because I've checked all the boxes for you. Now I'm going to go do my own thing. Now, that's a false gospel. I live in the gospel of his grace that gives me freedom from that kind of legalistic effort to somehow gain his favor. Life under the law, there's a sense of bondage. Life under the law, there's an impersonal relationship with God, and it's motivated by a desire for reward or out of a fear of punishment. And when you are living under the law, you're constantly looking and you're saying, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. And so it gives you anxiety about your standing with God. Life under the promise is completely different. It's not a life of confinement, but it's a life of freedom. It's not an impersonal but it's a personal relationship with God. And you're not living in this anxiety of what's going to happen to me if I don't do A, B, and C, if I don't keep the law. But there's a maturity of our character. This passage actually has a lot of uh, the answer to the big question. Do we have to follow the law, you know, to be saved and to live? Or do we have complete freedom and liberty? Well, no, like that would be the deeds of the flesh. Like total, complete freedom and liberty is the deeds of the flesh. And then you have the law. But really the answer then, because what it seemed is just kind of like, you know, what's, what's the answer? What's the answer? It's here. It's the Spirit. It's walking by the Spirit. It's keeping in step with the Spirit of God is really how we live this gospel of freedom out. Oftentimes, all of us, we think that we're making the good decisions and we're making the wrong ones. And we let sin take a hold of us and we fall into this. And then our friends, those who are spiritual, say, we need to restore this person. So they show up at your door. Where's the sinner at? And they take you and they start beating you. They take a Bible, they start hitting you over the head with it. And you think, this is not the way to restore me. The way to restore me is to come alongside me and say, something has gone wrong. I'm here to help. Let's talk about it. We need to figure out what is wrong 
and begin this slow process to restoring you to a spiritual relationship with Jesus. In a way of gentleness, we need to restore those who are caught in sin. And so then the role of the church, of us, the church, not pastors and all that, the church, the, the body of believers gathered here, us as a church, when we see a friend who is looking to something other than Jesus, we lovingly pray for them and we help them to say, hey, keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Don't let sinful behavior, whatever it may be, be a cause to withdraw from people who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fake faith is built on incidental things that God says are unimportant. Genuine faith is built on foundational truths that God says are timeless and are worth giving your life for. Let us be about the latter. God is speaking these words to us today, not just as individuals, but as a group. And he says to us, don't give up grace for religion. Don't give up your gospel mission for consumer comfort. And don't give up truth for the sweet words of false teaching. What God, through his son Jesus, is putting on the table for every one of us today is that your current story can become your former story. And everything can change because of that. This is the gospel of freedom and this is the gospel of grace. He didn't want any of us to ever doubt his love and his eternal destiny that he has secured on our behalf. Don't ever have the sense of doubt. Because when there is doubt, it means that my salvation is based upon something I do to gain the favor of God. And the book of Galatians is totally opposed to that. Because my salvation is built only upon the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus and his kingdom who came to rescue us, that we were in chains. Some of us are in chains enslaved to our sin. And when we trust in Jesus, then we are free. We are set free. We are rescued. And we are now part of his kingdom. And then we live our lives then each day under his rule because he is the king. If we're in the kingdom, he's the king. And we live our lives under that rule and reign of him as our king. We are to be people who are living out the spirit-filled life in real life, we are to be people who are restoring sinners in gentleness, people who are helping the burdens with the burdens of others. We are to be sharing with our leaders. And more than anything, we are to be loving everyone. It's interesting to me that Paul is saying to the Jew and to the Gentile, and now he says to the Chinese and the Hispanic, to all the rest of us, that our identity is not in our culture, it's not in our language, it's not in our generation, it's not in our gender, it's not in our age. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. Because as we live the life of Christ, that's the most powerful influence in the world today. But I challenge us, let us not just be people who sit here and are comfortable, but say, God, give me a vision of how I can be changed by the gospel and then love like you, Lord Jesus, across all cultures, generations, whoever, because we want to see that God reaches Orange County and the world for Jesus Christ through us. Amen? <laughs>
Amen. (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully that was a good word for you to remember, right? To take a moment to pause, to remember and and see what God has taught you and us through uh, this, this series. And so then we want to not just remember, but we also want to celebrate. And so we celebrate in God's goodness. We celebrate the the great times and the hard times, but we mostly celebrate that God's hand has been at work in us. Psalm 145, 6-7 says this, Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. It says that we would celebrate the goodness of God. We sing and we shout about God's faithfulness. And so that's what we'll do as, as later in the service as we worship and as we celebrate who God is. That's our act as, as men and women of God who are followers of Jesus. We celebrate what he has done. But we celebrate what God has done in the lives of people and in the lives of our church as a whole. And so we look back upon some of these things. So we're going to have a couple testimonies today, a couple stories. And the first person I want to invite up here is Ray Patera. Ray Patera is our stewardship pastor here at Calvary. Let's welcome him on up to the stage. Here you go, Ray. Welcome. All right. So, Ray, why don't you just tell us a little bit, if you could, about what happened this summer. This summer had, yeah. Well, for, for some of you, this is old news, but for some of you, you may have heard. But on May 23rd, I had a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was sitting at my desk. It was 6.30. I was getting ready to go to the Jim McCarty's class, and I'm sitting there typing. And all of a sudden, I'm making a lot of typing mistakes. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm just sitting wrong. I'll shake it out. And it really wasn't getting any better. So I finally walked down to the class, and I realized I was having to really concentrate in order to get the words out. And uh, it was a little unnerving, so went back to my desk and Googled stroke symptoms. Found out I had two out of the ten. You know, analytic, okay. You <laughs> medical professionals, you're going to really start groaning here in a minute. <laughs> so uh, uh, I decided, well, I better do something about it. So did I call 911? Probably not. No. Yeah. <laughs> Here's where you can grow. And I drove home. So it was the first time I had to remember God's grace because I got home safely and I realized the grace where it was as much for the people driving around me yeah. as it was to get me home. Yeah, yeah. So, so what were some of the like, effects after you went to the hospital eventually, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so what, like, what were some of the effects that you saw just happen to you physically? Uh, my right hand wasn't, I wasn't able to type or mention that. Uh, but my, I had what I called lazy speech. Those were the two primary things for me. And they're like 10 symptoms. So uh, I, I've been surprised as I've talked with people how much they've really wanted to hear the experience and what the symptoms were. Um, I learned that only 2 out of 10 stroke victims get to the hospital on time for this miracle drug called mm. TPA. And... Mm. Uh, I got home and told Judy what was going on and took a couple of aspirin to lay down. <laughs> Smart, right? <laughs> and, uh, and the Lord just revealed, God is so gracious how, yeah. yeah, you could get better, 
but you wouldn't have the advantage of the miracle drug. Hmm. Uh, or you could get worse and still have a half-hour drive to Kaiser Sand Canyon. So we got there, and by then my right foot had gone numb, and uh, they did a great job. And uh, I was amazed at how many touch points the Lord brought before me. Um, we were talking about remembering. Yeah. Um, had a, a young nurse who, uh, and so thankful that Judy was there with me. No matter where Judy goes, she brings a calm and a quiet to the situation. And when he had a young nurse who was uh, just kind of talking to us about her, her walk and where she was going to church and uh, that's kind of where it ended. And mm-hmm. they had to, uh, before they give you the miracle drug, they wanted to take an MRI. Okay. So uh, they're wheeling me there, and she's talking to the orderly about how she's looking for a husband who shares the same faith, and she wants more out of life. And he's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, so they, faith, mate, you can believe what you want, and it'll be just fine. So, so wait, uh, you're getting all these people to have these spiritual conversations yes, exactly. about God and exactly. themselves while you're also trying to figure out Am I going to be able to speak or use my arm or, you know, that, that, that's amazing. It's, 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 it was amazing how I never, I never really felt at risk. But it was so gracious about our Lord is how he can put that aside and how he can cause you to remember hmm. that there's a purpose in what you're going through. Hmm. And when we got back to the room, uh, I was listening to that, that ping pong game going on and found out she was going to Saddleback was really having a tough time getting to know people. And for those of you who remember Lois Corporalin, she's there leading their life group. So I had an opportunity to say, someone you need to call. <laughs> and that was just the beginning that made me realize that I need to be looking expectantly for the opportunities that the Lord's going to bring because he's going to use this. I have no idea how, <laughs> but that happened, that's been happening and continues to happen today. So how are you seeing God's hand at work now? I mean, because I know you're still working this mm-hmm. through, right? Yeah. 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 Um, still working it now, even working with my speech therapist. I found out, uh, well, she had a little tattoo on her hand that, or her wrist that she was kind of hiding. And so I asked her about it. She got very secretive about it. And uh, she says, you know about that, huh? I said, well, yeah, I know that some people take it willingly. And depending upon circumstances, sometimes it's forced upon them. So I found out she's a Coptic Christian. And her father is a priest for a local Coptic Christian church. So it led to a great opportunity to talk about the Lord and uh, talk about some of the things that the Calvary Emergency Need Fund, how we've helped uh, some Christians who have escaped Egypt and come here looking for a, a new life and so that they can honor our Lord. <laughs> wow. But there have been, there've been so many, so many other things. And you know I'm a stewardship pastor, and normally when you see me I'm talking about money. And typically when we talk about stewardship, we're thinking about managing time, talent, and treasure. And, you know, we're talking about celebrating. Mm -hmm. We also need to be aware that the Lord brings us opportunities. And one day we'll be called before him to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And so I am constantly walking now, celebrating God's grace, not just for me, but for others. And praying that I'll be faithful. I mean, Second Timothy four two talks about preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. And when I was sitting with this Coptic Christian, you know, you get that little the Lord, well, He rings that little bell. And uh, I was thinking of First um, Peter three fifteen, where we're always to be ready to be able to defend the faith and the hope that's within us. Hmm. 
So God is so good, and I just want to be found faithful, whether it's a stewardship pastor or a believer before him. And uh, God is so good, and I'm uh, just amazed how things are, are coming out. I, I constantly have you coming up and asking me, how can I pray for you? The two biggest things for me are uh, I destroyed my sleep patterns, so you can pray that my sleep will come back, and energy level. Um, I'm working kind of part-time now, uh, four days a week, six hours, and kind of building up. And mm-hmm. Some days I have a great days, and some days are not so good. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're working on that, but yeah. it, it is such a blessing to be aware, to remember, and to be able to celebrate, and to actually see the opportunities the Lord is bringing before us. Wow. Well, thank you, Ray. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Let's give Ray a hand. Appreciate him. Continue to pray. And I love that thought, to steward not only our, our, uh, our money, but it's our, our moments, our opportunities, and, and our health even, you know, to steward what God has given us. And so uh, thankful to Ray as we can remember and celebrate how God's hand is at work in all of those sorts of moments, Right? And we've seen God at work not just in, uh, it, you know, in our individual lives, but also in a lot of what took place this summer. And we want to take a chance to remember and celebrate some things of, of mission trips, of camps, of baptisms, of VBS. You know, there's all sorts of ways we've seen God doing some big stuff uh, through our church this summer. So let's check out another video that, that celebrates that. Turn our hearts and fix our eyes We welcome you, arms open wide And feel light of heaven Let every soul arise and wait VBS, I've learned that I'm special in God's eyes rather than what other people think of me. They could put me down, but I have to know that God thinks I'm special because he made me. And he made me for a purpose, and I should just live my life for him rather than doing it for what others say. I met um, Jesus for myself last week at Hume Lake, and I got to be here in an environment where I get to serve and I don't feel forced to serve and being here dancing around and being excited with the kids is just amazing and great um like it's amazing like how I met him for the first time and now I get to go and share it with the other kids here
Yeah, we're all here for a purpose, and God is the one true God that we should be be living with. Welcome to Albania. We have beautiful bread. publicly uh, show our commitment of putting our old self behind us and and showing that we have committed our lives and continue to follow God and live for Him, uh, serving Him in whatever ways that He wants to, us to serve Him.
amazing. <laughs> so good. So good to just, again, remember, right? Remember and celebrate what God has done. And I want us to hear from one more person today. And so let's welcome Lexi Canner up, okay? <laughs> Come on. So Lexi, uh, Lexi was an intern for us this summer. Lexi, why don't you just tell us a bit of what, what you did and, you know, what are some of the things you did this summer here? Yeah, so like you said, I was an intern for middle school, and I also was part of college groups. So I got to go to Hume, got to do poolside with all the 6th and 7th and 8th graders, and I also went to Houseboat, which was, like, super gnarly, all of the... <laughs> tubing and all that stuff. Yeah, you great. see, that's, by the way, that's Elder Rick Bergstrom that's destroying all those young people, okay? I've been at the receiving end of one of those myself, and it's, yeah. it's sometimes fun. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was a great experience this summer, for sure. That's great. So you were a counselor at Hume Lake, and you're in the cabin with all the, the girls. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about what happened and how God was at work there in the cabin? Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, um, I had 7th and 8th grade girls, and they were just the most beautiful, inside and out, um, amazing, goofy group of girls. Mm -hmm. They were super sweet to each other and just super amazing. And at one point or another, we had a conversation about Christ and about Christ's love for them. And there was one night in particular where I was hanging out with all of them, and there was some sort of leader thing that I had to take care of, and so I had to step out for a moment. And by the time that I came back, they had, like, circled up, and they were all, like, in this really intense circle, and I was like, oh, no. It's not normal, right? Not usually, normal. Yeah, not normally. They're, the, yeah. like, usually eating candy, and they're all, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, staggering exactly. themselves and laying on their beds and whatever, and um, they're in this really intense circle, and I remember coming in and being like, oh, okay, I have to, I have to talk. I have to do something. I have to be there. Something's be wrong, right? Something's yeah, wrong, okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I sat down, and I was like, hey, guys, what's up? What's going on? And um, they had told me that they had started to share testimonies and started, started to share their stories with each other. And I had a couple of girls who just had some really intense stories and just, mm. like, really hard lives mm. and had opened up to this cabin um, to these other group of girls that they had just met this week. Mm. And um, some of the girls were crying and some of the girls were, like, hugging each other. And I remember turning to one of my girls and saying, like, why, why are you crying? What, what's going on in your heart right now? And she said, I just want everybody to know how much Jesus loves them and how much I love them because not just because of me, but because of Jesus. And it was so amazing to be a leader and just see girls love each other mm. so well and love Christ and point it all back to awesome. Christ. And it was such an yeah. amazing experience. Yeah. yeah. 
And so we, we want to remember and celebrate 7th and 8th grade girls, you know, stopping and praying for one another, sharing their lives with each other. It's not the normal sort of image that we might have, right? And so that's awesome. And yeah. so then, Lexi, you also went just as a student on the houseboat trip, and you said you were telling me how that was, there was kind of a, a moment of you and God on that trip, and maybe just tell us how how that came about. Yeah, for sure. So my past year of my life has not been um, hunky-dory, let's say. Uh, My parents ended, so I graduated from high school in 2016, and right after I graduated from high school, my parents actually ended up getting a divorce, which is not easy for anybody. Um, And through their divorce, I took it really hard. Um, It was, created a lot of personal drama, a lot of emotional drama and um I went to school like I went to college and it was rough it was rough to say the least um I ended up not really enjoying it um and it's nothing to do with the school or the people I just couldn't like reconcile my feelings with God before anything else and I felt so forsaken and alone in it Hmm. and it made college so difficult and I decided to not go to that school anymore and to come back and try to like find God and houseboat's theme was super amazing it was um anchored in grace and driven by love and I remember there was one um night where actually Kat our pastor was talking one of our pastors was talking and um there was just this night of like what is stopping you from receiving God's love? And I, like, sat there and started to think about it and started to think about what was stopping me from receiving God's love. And there was a worship song that was playing, and it was, um, I think, at the cross I lay my burdens at your feet where your love pours out. And I was like, okay, so I have this burden that has been like a shield between me and cross, me and cross and me and Christ, and I want to, I don't want that there anymore. Yeah. I want my identity to be, to be God. I want my identity to be loved by God. And yeah. so I just had this moment of letting it go. Yeah. And um, it was so amazing. I hmm. wept, just absolutely wept. And it was... You are telling me you were kind of trying to... Trying to hide it, for yeah. sure. I was okay. like <laughs> wiping my tears. Hmm. I was putting my face in my T-shirt. And um, all of my friends... Every single one of them noticed. Cat noticed everybody. Yeah. Uh, it was just such a great moment. And yeah. they, kind of, they drew you out, right? Yeah, oh, yeah for yeah. sure. They drew yeah. me out. They made me sit and talk about it. Um, I was, like, hugged by every person that I knew on the houseboat, which is, like, 60 people. And it was just, like, so amazing and overwhelming. And yeah. uh, it was just, it's been such a great summer, yeah. for sure. So yeah. good. And it's, you see, we see God's hand at work. Like, if this year's been super rough, you've had a lot of things that were hard. And yet... We want to look back and remember and celebrate how God has been with you, right? God is with you through all of that. And, you know, I just say from us to you, we're just so grateful for you. For you, the way that you served God here, but also the way that you've opened your heart to God here. And that's an example, I think, to all of us, right? So thank you, Lexi. Okay, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. So that's... You know, to me, it's just amazing to hear people's, people's stories, people's lives. And so we celebrate what God has been doing through all of these lives. And, and you know, I, I do want to say that a lot of this stuff, right, like these things, the, the youth ministries, the college ministry, the, the v, with VBS that's free, these missions trips that people go on, um, 
like, all of what we do is able to be done by the hand of God, but also from the generosity of God's people. And so we are thankful to all of you as a church for your just steady, regular, generous giving that has really helped to make all of this happen. And so I think that we can celebrate on the fruit of that together. It's been a work that has been done through prayer, through, through the like, human effort, through God working, and through generosity. And so we're just grateful to everyone that has helped make all of that happen. And so like, I, I want to encourage you to take a moment to remember and celebrate what God has been doing in your life, right? To think about that. What has God been doing in your life maybe this summer or this last year? How have you seen God's hand at work in your life? And can you take moments to remember that and to celebrate, right? And that could be anything. It could be some of those hard things. It could be things that are wonderful. I know like for, for us, for our family, a big thing was that it was my wife, B and I, it was our 20th anniversary this summer. And that was a big deal for us, right? To look back and celebrate, you know, seeing God's hand at work in our marriage for 20 years in those, you know, in the fun, wonderful times, but also in the parts that are hard is where we see God's hand at work in us. And so we've, you know, we've remembered that. You remember, you celebrate an anniversary. We had a meal, we had a vacation together, and just time to celebrate what God has done in our lives. Um, but communion, communion, we're going to take a moment here to, to celebrate through communion, because communion is the way that we remember and celebrate what Jesus has done for us on the cross. People aren't offended by that. They're going to help serve communion. That's why they're walking out. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but that's, uh, you know, we remember, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, right? That's the point. So every time that we are able to participate in the Lord's Supper, we remember what he has done. So I want us just to, to take that moment and to experience this time as we will have this time of reflection, this time of worship, this time of holding the elements and, and pausing. Maybe reflect on what has God done in your life in this past season and reflect upon the cross. So the elements will be passed. The bread will be passed. Hold on to it until I come back up. But just take some time now to be able to reflect and to celebrate what God has done. Heavenly Father, we are thankful. And so we want to pause. We want to remember and celebrate, Lord, what you have done and what you continue to do. And so, Lord, we, as we take these elements, we, we want this moment to be a moment where we are remembering you, Lord Jesus. We've remembered all sorts of other things, Lord, but right now we remember you. In Jesus' name. All of us have gone astray Turning back to 